And that's what makes it so powerful. So everybody comes together consensus on what this design and the standard needs to look like. And it has representation from both the, the manufacturing community as well as departments of transportation, the end users, the ones that are ultimately using the equipment. Hello, and welcome to the Dactronics Experience Podcast. I'm Justin Oxner here with Matt Anderson. Today, we're joined by Jason Morrison. He's the NEMA Committee Chair and Dactronics Market Manager for ITS Parking and Public Transport. He's going to tell us about the TS4 standards that were recently released for ITS and how that affects Dactronics and our customers. We're here today with Jason. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Good. How's it going? Doing good over here. We got Matt Anderson across the table from me. <laughs> Hello, Jason. Hey, Matt. And uh, we're here today to talk a little bit about ITS and and some NEMA, and we'll get into all of what that specifically means. But first, Jason, can you tell us a little bit of your background with Dactronics and kind of how you got to where you're at today? Sure. Uh, I've been with Dactronics for it's coming up on I guess 16 years now, uh, all within the transportation business unit within uh, Dactronics and specifically uh, I deal with the the ITS parking and public transport markets. Started my career at Dactronics as a project manager. Did that for several years before I transitioned into my my current role. Um, So right now oversee those those three markets, make sure that keeping the tab on what's going on out there, making sure that we have the appropriate products for the market um, and just the right things for for our organization to make sure that we're supporting the market correctly. Sure. And can we step back just real quick? And we said ITS. Can you tell us what that stands for and what it means? Sure. ITS is Intelligent Transportation Systems. So those are the displays that you see alongside the roadway that uh, give you indications as far as travel times, um, variable speed limits, queue warning, um, those sorts of messages okay gotcha and you said so you've been deck tracks for about 16 years and then you started out as a project manager maybe just a little bit like i mean you've been here for a while then after that what is it about being in a project manager position or in in its that is that's it kept you around this yeah. long that you like yeah it's a good question when i so when i started with Dactronics, you know i maybe i wasn't as familiar with the, the transportation sector you know we we're kind of known for maybe some of our more glitzier things that you see and spectacular years or live events, uh, professional sports arenas. Um, so when I got into the transportation market, it was a, it was a bit of a learning curve, but uh, one thing that I know are, that I really do enjoy about being in the transportation side is that we are the, the market leaders. So we are uh, the ones that are looked on as being that subject matter expert in the, the industry. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a real great place to be an envious position to to be in to be able to continue to support the market and uh, really defend that position as the the market leader. Yeah, absolutely. And you did you did uh, leave out one part about you used to help with uh, interns back in the day. <laughs> and I'm only saying that because that's how uh, I know you, Jason, from when we were both involved in the internship program back in the day. But just wanted to throw that in there. Absolutely, yeah. Our internship <laughs> programs, a you know, it's a great program that we do offer at Dactronics, and uh, it, it's unique to us from any of our. I guess competitors out there are really in the marketplace and they provide a great resource for us, um, really help us out in supporting the market. And it's a great, you know, really, honestly, it's a great pipeline for an mm-hmm. introductory role into the market and, and growing within the organization. 
Yeah. And even within your market, like the the transportation market, obviously there's there's associations that kind of go around with each market. And in um, in the transportation one, there's this uh, association called NEMA. It's the National Electrical Manufacturers Association. And maybe you can explain that a little more. I, I'm, I hear you're involved in that. <laughs> is that specifically for transportation or, or what is NEMA? Yeah. So NEMA is involved with a lot of different uh, organizations, uh, you know, National Electrical Manufacturers Association. So it pertains particularly to to those that deal with electrical manufacturing. Um, you know, I'm probably not the best to speak to to what NEMA overall umbrella covers, but uh, one of the big things that they they're, they're charged with uh, they're an accredited standards development organization. Um, so they work with a lot of these electrical manufacturers to develop standards. Um, uh, testing procedures, things like that for, for the industry. I think they work with over 300 uh, members within their organization. Uh, so it's quite diverse as far as who they who they work with. Um, I understand, I think they've published over a thousand electrical and medical imaging standards, wow. technical documents. So there's a quite diverse okay. um, things that they're Involved with. So it's it's a larger umbrella of, of a lot of ect- electrical components that they kind of oversee some of those standards for. Not specifically the transportation market, but that's kind of where you fit in with it, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean they they do everything from providing what is it uh, guidance for electrical lighting and exit sign visibility testing uh, to national standards for arc welding. Um, I think in um, electrical and medical equipment. So. It's uh, quite diverse as far as what they support and represent. Okay. And I imagine this is something that's probably been around for a while. I know you you being at Detronic 16 years, have you always been a part of this organization as as through, you know, being an ITS or kind of how did you get involved with them? Yeah, so I've been involved with NEMA for probably about 13 years. Right. Um, you know, when I started off as a project manager, I wasn't as engaged. I utilized the, the standards that were created through NEMA, but I actually wasn't uh, – probably as engaged with the organization, but in the last 12, 13 years, um, I've been involved with them and really becoming a chair about nine years ago. Hey, imagine you becoming chair, maybe well, it's kind of a, a two-part question, but it's, you know, so now that you're a chair, what does is, what is that role and responsibility look like? And the other one is just you talking about the reasons why you like being in that ITS market. I got to imagine coming across something like NEMA, it fits right into why you like being there too, right? Right, and Dectronics uh, has been involved with this uh, organization for a long time. So, you know, prior to me holding the chair position, it was held by Tom Becker, who was our national sales manager within the, the transportation business unit. Uh, when he left to, to kind of pursue other opportunities, um, created an opportunity for me. So um, that's where I, I ran for the, the position and was elected chair. But as, as you said, it's, it's another way to help support the market. And it, it's unique because it's all... Uh, electrical manufacturers or all of our dynamic message sign manufacturers come together to develop the standard for the industry. Okay. And it, there, are there like, you said those multiple, is there multiple committees that make up these technical standards or kind of how does that work? Yeah. So this particular standard is NEMA TS4, which pertains to changeable message signs, dynamic message signs, variable message signs. Within NEMA, the overarching committee is the the 3TS committee, which is transportation management systems and associated control devices. So essentially that makes up the the technical committee. Then there are individual technical committees underneath that umbrella. So they deal with things. There's there's TS2, TS4, TS5, 
eight and 10. I believe I got them all. Okay. <laughs> um, which pertain to traffic control systems. So the, there's ours, the changeable message sign, TS4, portable traffic signals. Uh, there's a cyber and physical security for ITS. And then uh, the most recent one is connected vehicle infrastructure and roadside equipment. Underneath that 3TS, there's an umbrella of, of additional technical committees. Okay, so there's a bunch of those committees, and I was kind of curious, who makes up those committees? Like, you're the chair. Are there, there are others involved that make up the committees and, and kind of make those committee standards work? Right. It's a, it's a, the industry that, that comes together. So it's a other dynamic design manufacturers. It's a consultants or other um, industry professionals within the ITS market that come together to uh, develop these standards. Because I think we like to say Dectronics has been involved for a long time, right? But you, it's it's I'm, we don't, we don't always talk about competition stuff in there too. Right. But it's not like a Dectronics dominated thing, right? There, you say members from all the different industries, so it could even be other sign companies that are also a part of this, right? Absolutely, yep. And that's what makes it so powerful. So everybody comes together, consensus on what this design and the standard needs to look like. And it has representation from both the, the manufacturing community as well as the, I guess, the departments of transportation, the end users, the ones that are ultimately using the equipment. So there's that industry standard that is applied across uh, all manufacturing and all equipment. And so it sounds like some of these standards were, were recent released. I believe it was the TS4 that, that was a new standard that was just released. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Sure. Uh, maybe it's good to give a little background and history mm -hmm. on the standard. Um, so in the, the late 80s, there were several different DMS technologies out there that were being installed across the country. Um, with these installations across the country, there's a wide variety of specifications that were being applied. And with this, you know, there were conflicting definitions of what constituted a, a dynamic message sign or a variable message sign. Okay. So yeah, I believe it was around 1997, several DMS manufacturers that came together to form the TS4 committee to develop a standard for DMS. So there was a, a, quite a bit of work that took place between 97 and then ultimately in 2005 is when the first NEMA TS4 standard was published. And then since then, there's there's been a few updates. There was one in 2016 and then obviously the most recent one that we just released here in 2023. Okay, so the 2023 is like the third iteration of the TS4? Correct. Yeah. And so TS4 is the committee that stays through and then makes these iterations to their, to the actual naming policies. Right. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure I understand. So I was repeated back. Um, so then maybe can you touch a little bit about environmental compliance then and kind of how does that fit within the TS4 group or these new standards? Right. So the, the big things that changed within the, the new standards, the 2023 version. Um, so there was language added regarding U.S. and Canadian regulations for radio interference requirements, which is the environmental mm -hmm. um, requirements that you, that you discussed. Also, there was a, a minimum display refresh rate requirement to minimize the impact on autonomous vehicles. And then there were standards and definitions put around variable message signs and dynamic message signs. So as it pertains to the environmental aspect, uh, so it's radio interference. So within the standard, we added language that uh, the displays need to comply with the Federal Communications Commission rules uh, before Part 15 and the Canadian standard, the ICS-003, which are 
for emissions and radio frequency devices. Essentially, our signs need to be able to operate within a certain frequency so they don't uh, interfere with others that are out there, you know, mainly cell phone communications mm-hmm. so okay. that we don't uh, disrupt any other communications out there. So we need to operate within this small window yeah when you're when you're talking about that it makes me think of like oh these emergency vehicles need to communicate with each other or things like that but it's really just to make sure there's no no interference with anything else out there even cell phones to make sure hey these still work on their frequencies the others still work on theirs and this doesn't disrupt any of that exactly okay everything like that all the way down to when you're walking to your car and you hit your key fob and your door's unlocked so we don't mess with that too so you can still get into your car Oh, that that's important. Seems like yeah. a very important thing, especially in the wintertime, I would imagine. That's something I wouldn't have thought about with frequencies and disruptions, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I, that didn't even come to mind. So, yeah, that's interesting to hear all the different things that are actually being thought of to make sure that we're not interfering with. Right. Do you, If you want to dive into that thing, you said refresh rates then was the other part of it then. So what, what exactly did uh, was decided for refresh rates? Yeah, so minimum uh, refresh rate for to minimize the impact on autonomous vehicles. So there's a... We called it an autonomous vehicle consideration. Um, so autonomous vehicle detection of fixed location, BMS, CMS, should be enhanced by applications of LED refresh rate greater than 200 hertz. So we want to make sure that our our sign produces at least 200 hertz refresh rate so that when connected vehicle cameras are viewing our displays, they're able to, to view them clearly and distinguish what the message says. Below that, you know, displays can get a, a checker pattern or um, they don't become clear to the camera. I like so, a moray almost. I think I know what you're talking about. Right. Yep. yep. So an incomplete message, um, by being able to produce that, that refresh rate, it it optimizes the, the connected camera network to be able to read, read messages and doesn't impact them. That's that sounds very technical way of saying we need to make sure that these signs can be viewed correctly <laughs> on cameras on cameras yeah with camera networks okay yeah it's a, it's a bit of a departure right you know instead of just the naked eye being able to look at we've got machines that are out there looking around and gathering information because with our displays we're communicating you know um, pertinent information that uh, needs to be able to be relayed through autonomous vehicles as we become more vehicles become more autonomous. Sure. Sure. Okay. And then you, you did mention some of the the definitions maybe of like variable message sign versus dynamic message sign. Can you go into what the differences are between those? Right. This is a, you know, kind of a major shift in a bit of the standard as well. So uh, other versions of the, of the, the standard of uh, the varying definitions, whether it was a CMS, a BMS, or a DMS. So by moving to this new standard where we're putting definitions around what each of those are and they apply differently as far as the technology. Mm-hmm. So um, as as I mentioned earlier, the, a changeable message sign is a sign of uh, capable of displaying one or two or more uh, predefined messages or blank message. So the purpose of a, of a CMS as a traffic control device is to provide real-time traffic regulatory warning or guidance messaging. So really it's the, the umbrella term for uh, a lot of different message types and sign types. So anything from incident management, uh, lane and ramp and roadway control, pricing, uh, managed lanes, travel times, warning situations, traffic regulations, speed control. 
those are the type of applications that would fall within this, a, a changeable message sign. And then the over, as I mentioned, the overarching term changeable message sign pertains to a lot of different display types. So a dynamic message sign, a variable message sign, a hybrid sign, a blank out sign, flip this type sign or drum mm -hmm. sign, those are all changeable message signs. So then we apply definitions to what each of those, those are. And specifically what we're covering in the TS4 standard, it pertains to the hybrid signs, variable message signs, and dynamic message signs. Really don't get into requirements for blank out flip disc or, or drum signs. Okay. So a hybrid sign, it's a it's a type of type of message or type of display that combines both static and dynamic elements mm. in one. So then it can be either a, a DMS or a VMS, the dynamic element. So if you think of it like a, a variable speed limit sign, you have the like your typical speed limit sign, but the actual digits are the dynamic portion of it so you're only rendering the, the speed oh. or driver feedbacks or a lot of times you know toll rates oh yeah travel time displays yep. so you have a, a static sign you have a fixed location and then you have a dynamic element on that static sign that uh, communicates what the, the travel time or the toll rate is does it go into like billboards by the roadway to it all? Like when you're talking about all these, it just made me think of like Powerball billboards where they're like, yeah. the current amount is, and it's all static, but then the actual number is digital. Is it, do these regulations go towards that or is it the TS41 kind of more just on the roadway itself? Right. These these pertain to just on the, on the roadway. Okay, gotcha. So it doesn't go into those billboards at all. That, that I was just be, my, I was thinking they have their own regulations that yeah. that they have to go by, yeah. right? Um, but speaking right. of other regulations too, does this TS four like comply with other um, regulations that might be in the industry already? Yeah. So a lot of what's in the standard is we we do reference a lot of other regulations. Um, so I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel on on everything. There's a lot of other work that that's been done as in standards that uh, people need to our manufacturers need to um, design their equipment around so within the standard or our publication we do reference several other uh, standards of which uh, to comply and the reason for that is you just can't keep everything's continuously being updated mm -hmm. um, if you were to have it all within one standard uh, you know it would be a daunting task of keeping everything up to date sure. <laughs> so being able to capitalize on other Work that others have done okay so are these standards now kind of the same across the country or is it different state by state or or how widespread is this ts4 within the the transportation market yeah it's definitely used across the country this is the standard that the, the industry uses for specifying dynamic message signs and the variable message signs so we're in south dakota but that doesn't matter but if we're over in you know like Nevada, or if we go to California or Florida, it's it's all the same, all across the board. That way, everybody's on the same page when it comes to transportation signage. Correct. I think right. I think when getting ready for this podcast too, I appreciate the dumbing it down. I think you did to help me understand, but it was even <laughs> the. I think you had just said like these standards exist all across the country. So like a speed limit sign is the same size mm -hmm. in like you just like in Nevada as it is in South Dakota, right? And that's just one. I never thought of those types of things before. You always figured that yes, yeah, someone makes that. I'm sure they just make the same one, same size, but knowing that there's this whole other group that, that monitors this all the time is definitely interesting. Oh, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of standards that go into that that uh, regulate the, the size of the display, the font, the color oh, the font, of the display. Yep. So, um, you know, it's like the whole McDonald's things. You go into a McDonald's and 
in South Dakota, the Big Mac tastes the same as the one that <laughs> when you go into to Georgia. There so you, you get the same experience and the same uh, applies to displays. You know, you mentioning font and stuff like that made me think too. Is is do you get into that then? So when there is a digital display out there, how big are the characters or anything like that? Is there anything around the content on them at all? Yeah, there is a recommendation as far as font font size, what goes into it. So there's um, we put uh, ratios together, so mm-hmm. height to width ratios. Mm-hmm. Uh, so depending on the character height, um, what the height to width the inner character spacing, the inner line spacing. So all those are, are clearly defined and it's whether it's a, a true type font, NEMA font. Um, so there's uh, a lot of different uh, font and requirements that are, are detailed throughout the standard. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of details they've thought of. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. we see a speed limit sign. We don't think too much of, Oh, it says it's 25 here that, that they thought of why it's this size, why it's that font. Yeah. All of that has actually been thought out. They didn't just throw it up there and say, yeah, this might work. <laughs> right. So exactly. And obviously with all that, I mean, we've been talking about some electrical standards and, and creation of things like that and NEMA and, and how does Dactronics kind of fit into that? Obviously we manufacture some signs. So how does kind of NEMA work with Dactronics or how does Dactronics work with NEMA? Yeah. Um, well, maybe if we could go back quickly too, yeah. um, just to elaborate a little bit on some of the, the, the definitions that were put into place. Okay. So we talked about hybrid signs, which are a combination of both the dynamic element and the static portion. And then also there's a definition for variable message signs. So variable message signs, you know, they fall within that, that category of changeable message signs. And a, a variable message sign is primarily used to display lines of text and characters, mm. really not getting any symbols or graphics or anything like that. So in the, the standard is defined as an array of pixels greater than 20 millimeter pixel pitch to display a message or part of a message and maybe character matrix, line matrix, or full matrix. So essentially what that is, is we're, we're saying that anything greater than 20 millimeters, if you're not going to be doing symbols and graphics, primarily a text-based type display would be considered a variable message sign. And then we get into the the definition of dynamic message sign. So dynamic message sign would be a full matrix, high resolution, high definition type display that utilizes 20 millimeter or less. And that kind of goes into the conversation that we were having about uh, the speed limit sign looks the same no matter where you're at or stop sign looks exactly the same. Right. So there's a another group called METCD, so Manual for Uniform Traffic Control Devices. Essentially, it's the, the Bible for what signage looks like. In order to be able to properly render that, you need to be able to use a, a dynamic message sign or a display that utilizes 20 millimeter pixel pitch or less. Okay. So that's a big differentiator in the in the, the standard from previous iterations, having that clear definition of what a variable message sign is versus a dynamic message sign. And if you want to produce METCD symbols and graphics, you need to utilize the capability of the dynamic message sign. Gotcha. Because it's like thinking of, I mean, you're mentioning that the text only type of stuff, but then I'm struggling where I've seen it, maybe in North Dakota as an example, but sometimes there's, instead of saying I-90, it's the actual logo of the I-90 with the shield around it and everything like that. So you're saying when it, when these displays get to that 20 millimeter and below, and they're capable of doing these these different colors and sharp graphics, then they get a, a different definition or standard applied to them? Exactly. 
Yep. So there's, and, and a lot of things that were, were driving this change is, uh, so we had a lot of conversations with, with another working group. So the National Committee for Uniform Traffic Control Devices, you know, I could throw out a bunch of acronyms and get get you lost in acronyms, but we'll try to keep it, uh, try to smell out what they are. I appreciate so, it. Yeah. That, that's a group that uh, puts together guidance uh, and recommendations to be implemented into METCD, the Manual for Uniform Traffic Control Devices. Okay. So what we're trying to do is harmonize our standard with what METCD is going to be coming out. So. The, the National Committee for Uniform Traffic Control Devices came out and they, they're providing guidance and recommendation to METCD and the Federal Highway on what constitutes a dynamic message sign. So our standard for NEMA TS4 aligns with what's going to be coming out in METCD. So there's that harmonization between the two. And that's uh, really important when they're trying to emulate and render those uh METCD symbols and graphics. Sure. It, it sounds like this matters to all the traffic engineers out there that are trying to, yeah. to put all this stuff together. Correct. Exactly. That's amazing. thing. It's got to be a lot of, I mean, it's obviously a lot of work to get everyone within a committee to agree on things like definitions <laughs> yeah. and terms, but then I didn't even think, but it makes sense that you got to look at what else does this affect and you have to communicate across committees into other organizations to let them know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of work that's gone into you putting together what what a speed limit looks like and what the character height needs to be and what the spacing between it, you know, a lot of human factors work and, and whatnot that, that has gone into that to identify that optimize those uh, displays. And we want to make sure that our dynamic message signs align with, with that to be able to most effectively communicate with the, and definitely, traveling public. and definitely these are really important uh, uh, guidelines to follow. And my mind immediately just goes to, and I don't know why, but so what, if, what if someone, didn't follow a standard side would they would they is it like a fine do they take down the display like if there's something i'm not just gonna say if it's the wrong font but i'm just always like these are really important because something else could happen if you don't adhere to them right exactly they, they'd um you know i don't know exactly the, the procedure <laughs> of what happens if they deviate from from these standards but uh, they would get a call from fed highway um you know it probably would uh it could affect funding Okay. For the agencies. So, uh, you know, the standards are in place for, for a lot of reasons, safety primarily and effective communication. So mm-hmm. they want to make sure that uh, yeah. you are um, following the, those particular standards. Matt, that's actually a good question because I was just thinking, <laughs> oh, they'll probably just take it down. That's but then what I was when yeah. you mentioned there could be ramifications for funding from, from these certain governing offices that, that supply this to help you. It's like if you're not going to follow these things, we're not going to fund you, and that can <laughs> yeah. affect a lot of other budgets. And it, it, it's bigger than just, oh, they they take the sign down. And yeah, they're like it. John yeah. Taffer just comes in and says, shut it down, right? Like that's what I was thinking <laughs> yeah. in my head. But Yeah, and, and you know, there's a large financial implication to that because even though – you know, even if an agency right today isn't uh, looking to maybe communicate some MTCD symbols and graphics type thing, you know, there's a future-proofing element to, to what they're doing. You, you're putting in these displays, they have a you know, 10 to 15 to 20 year serviceable life. So it's 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 a, quite the investment and you have an expectation that these displays are going to be out there for a long time. I mean, we have displays that have been out on the road for probably approaching 30 years. So wow. there's, you know, a future proofing aspect 
of this. So if you don't have the desire to do that today, what's to say that you're not going to want to do it two, three, four, five years down the road and the, the switching costs to upgrade into the capability, what you need to be able to do that is, is prohibitive. So, you know, it's these agencies speaking ahead of what they might be doing in the future as well and future proof and really their, their systems and technology to allow for it. Yeah. Cause like you're saying, if it doesn't last that long, if it, doesn't adhere to it you have to change it anytime mm-hmm. a standard would affect it and then we go right back to the well you better change it or you're not going to get funding or those other ramifications right. you talked about and safety being an issue as well yeah, yeah. um so then maybe this kind of is a good is a good tie-in then jason though right like so i mean the obvious question is the how does dactronics fit into this but as we're talking about all these things i mean it's it's a pretty obvious reason why we would be right because we do install things that fit these guidelines and we don't want our customers to ever have to worry about any of these ramifications that we just talked about or having to replace or, a sign sooner yeah. than needed, then it's just double the cost. And yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to expand upon that a little bit. Cause I know, like you said, Dectronics has been a part of NEMA for a long time. Um, and even thinking back, right. I mean, we used to have glow back in the day. I don't know yeah. if glow was ever on a roadway, but we've got a lot from just, you know, one color displays all the way up to full color, but can you maybe just dive into that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Dectronics has been involved in the transportation market for a long time. Uh, you know, really got into it probably around 88. Uh, so right around that time when it was kind of the Wild West and everyone was deploying signs across the country with real no standard uh, to them. Uh, yeah. So we were a part of that initial helping with the development of the standard and making sure that our signs complied with it. So we, you know, the staying power, just the longevity within the market, you know, it benefits us, it benefits the customer to be involved in making sure that we're applying the latest standards and making sure that it's applicable across the, the country and there's a uniformity to it. You know, there's another aspect that we really haven't spoken about, but there's a communication element. So there, the interoperability of our display, so whether it's one of our signs or another manufacturer within the industry, there's a one communication method to talking to it. So all of our displays speak NTCIP, which is, a protocol for talking to our sign. So whether it's our sign or somebody else's sign, um, agencies aren't pigeonholed into one display or one manufacturer. It creates a lot of flexibility and interoperability between the, between the displays. Okay. And then what benefits the, the agency from that is that, uh, you know, um, some manufacturers have come and gone throughout the years, so they're not reliant on or dependent on them sticking around. Or if they're they're having issues, they they're able to switch back and forth. Um, and we really, uh, you know, have been there in the market and supporting it for, like I said, since '88. So um, really defined within when the within the market and and looked on as the market leader. Yeah. yeah, and there's, there's that's some of that future proofing too is just making yeah. sure that it's still there and and then you know we've been involved in those standards for a long time so our products have complied for for years like you said some of them are still uh, installed and have been there for for quite a long time. Right, and we've been deploying this technology for for quite a while. So even before the standard came out, so we we've, we've been doing uh, twenty millimeter displays to be able to accurately render and. Uh, mimic MUTCD symbols and graphics. So we were looking, you know, we we were looking ahead to make sure that we were being able to give the the market what what is needed to be able to do these things. And now the standards kind of catching up to kind of some of the things that we've been implementing for a, a long time. And thinking back to that NTCIP, I say that right? NTCIP. It's um, yeah, 
Is that a is that a, like a coding language or is that like a certain type of cable? Like what I know it's a communication method, but like is that coding essentially or? Com- it's a so it's a communication protocol. Okay. Uh, for talking to two dynamic message signs, variable message signs. Okay. Uh, so it's not like yeah, you need it, this. It's, it's a it's a particular language that uh, there you go. Gotcha. It needs to be able to speak. Yeah. yeah. Matt's making signs over here. He's like, do I have to plug like, in the right cord? cord or is do like I have an to HDMI upgrade a cord? Yeah. At, or, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No. That's... It's it's everybody's. It's it's you know it's like us speaking English here instead of all of us speaking you know English, Spanish, and German. Yep. Yeah. And trying to understand what each are saying. And so we're all it, speaking the same language. And hopefully it translates correctly. Yep. Yeah. So then we're talking about all these things for the TS4 standards, how we've been around a long time to help future-proof these. Um, I got to imagine then, and maybe this is kind of like our involvement, right, is that we always want someone in there in the different committees. You're the chair this time. But there's going to be – there's got to be a lot of – you're meeting with all these different committees, then are you coming back here and talking to our engineers? Like a, a more recent example, right, is the whole refresh rate thing. Is this something that it's like, all right, it's your responsibility, Jason, then to take what's going on in all these committees and come back to Dactronics and, and meet with the different groups internally to let them know? Right, making sure we're working with them within our, our different working groups and the, the companies that we uh, have the appropriate technology to to meet the standard and really it's keeping a pulse on what the the rest of the market is too so what what other industries are doing within um that are involved within the its market or what the requirements or desires from from end users are different to consulting firms it's really accumulation of all that that information to make sure that the standard aligns and that's where it's beneficial to having multiple uh, manufacturers from the, the industry within the group because they take different perspectives that they gathered throughout the industry and bring them together to make up mm-hmm. essentially a, a best practice and the standard for it so yeah and, and what, then really liaison with uh with our group communicating that to make sure that our products align with what's uh, the standards say yeah and that sounds like it that helps the our end customers right like what's this mean for them it's like they can come to us and know that it's going to meet the standards that it's going to meet the standards that are set not just by electronics but by multiple um sign makers in the industry and and they know that it's going to be okay to to implement this technology and it'll be there for a while exactly yeah and it's not pigeonholing them into one particular manufacturer it's a a industry standard that everybody needs to abide by so it uh, creates a uh, you know a, a better product uh, across the market, mm-hmm. uh, it, and it really serves the the end user, the end customer, uh, the best. Make sure that they're getting the most uh, robust, uh, longest life capable product out there. Like I think it's regardless just, of manufacturer. Like I think it's got to help just level out their decision making too. It's it's a lot. It's a lot less they have to think about, but it's just one less yeah. thing to try and compare amongst all the different manufacturers. Rather, probably already trying to look at some other things, but this is an area that maybe is, I would say it's too complicated, but it's just, I keep thinking of like a, an RFP, right, or a proposal or something. It's like, well, this is one section you don't have to worry about as long as they meet the TS4 standards. You don't have to dive into it anymore. Yep, that's exactly right. Okay, and then maybe for for ITS customers that are looking to to buy signs, do you have any advice for them based on these these standards coming out or any of these changes? Really, what we've seen out in the market uh, is is the move to 
utilizing full color, higher resolution type displays to be able to, to produce MVTCD symbols and graphics. We, you know, we're not seeing as many of the variable message sign type displays, strictly character based. Mm -hmm. um, so from an industry and market perspective, we're definitely seeing the shift to utilizing the dynamic message sign, more capable type display. And, you know, a lot of agencies are doing a lot of great things out there with, with implementing the, these type of messages and supplementing them with really universally understood and recognizable MVTCD symbols and graphics. It really helps supplement your message. It's a much more effective communication method. It's easy to identify a symbol that you've seen a thousand times and try to, I mean, you have, you've got a real captive audience for a short period of time and you need to be able to effectively communicate a message within say five or 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. So the most effective way of doing that is to, uh, a graphic, uh, you know, the picture speaks a thousand words. So um, it's just a much more effective way to communicate with the, the traveling public. So, so you can't just get a nice display with good graphics capabilities and throw anything you want on it. So it kind of takes some of that, I mean, it's a guesswork again. Right? I mean, like for other markets, we sometimes have uh, suggestions on the best way to reach your right. market and things like that. But in this industry, it's different. It's like because you are dealing with motor vehicles and things, It's these aren't so much just best suggestions. This is the standard. The standard. You have to adhere to these. So at least I wouldn't say it, it takes another thing to take guesswork out of it, but um, just knowing that there are certain things you can and cannot put on that display once you get it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And this and the new TS4 standard really helps define what what those are and helps support other things like the MTCD portion of it, which a lot of effort work's been put into developing what those look like and supporting that within our markets. Yeah, and it, it sounds like you, you're, you're telling them, take advantage of the, the newest technology out there. We've thought of the standards and, and followed those for you to try and make so it you don't easier have to, for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're ready to, to help you out by following those standards. We know what they are. We're, we're deeply involved with those. And you can just uh, kind of take advantage of the, the best technology out there on the marketplace. You got it. Nice. Well, uh, thank you, Jason, for coming on here and sharing all that information with us. I know it's, it's definitely something we don't hear about every day, yeah. so it's great to hear what's going on in this marketplace and the standards that are out there. So thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dectronics Experience Podcast. Please subscribe at your favorite place to listen to podcasts to keep up with our latest episodes.